I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. The podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode where we watched the brand new, long-awaited, sci-fi spectacular, Dune. Streaming now on HBO Max and directed by Denis Villeneuve. Not David Lynch. (laughs) Not the David Lynch one. That is an important distinction. We watched Dune. We're very excited about this. If you haven't seen Dune, what are you doing? I think it's fair to say we love this movie. We love this movie, and I guess all I can say, using the voice, let's jump in, (laughs) sleepyheads. Or something. (laughs) That was good. Not cool. And I... I don't really understand the Timothy Chalamet hate. Uh, uh, where are you seeing that? Or I mean, experiencing just, that? Uh, in like non-movie podcasts that I listen to, like he he becomes like the butt of jokes. And I don't know if it's just he. It's like he's very good. I know, and and I wonder if it's just he's not. Well, he definitely represents, I feel, like, obviously the next generation, but in some very clear ways. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, if I think about, like... Like masculinity. Yeah, thinking about masculinity, thinking about um, even the roles that he is taking that are kind of of propelled him to this status. I mean, Call Me Me By Your Name, probably the, the prime example. Right. Call Me By Your Name and Lady Bird. And Lady Bird. Back to mm-hmm. Are not your typical, like, movie star. Yeah. That, or action movie star. Yeah. In. Yeah. Um, but he's just so good. I know. He doesn't miss, honestly. And it's kind of... I, I was re-watching the... I, I was re-watching some of Dune tonight uh, before we came on this. And especially in the beginning of the movie, he has these moments that I'm like... I don't feel like you're acting. And in some moments, I'm right, like, I don't right. even feel like you're trying. It's very disarming. But that's that's definitely a choice, and it's the it's the Paul thing. It's the Paul Atreides thing. Right. But he does it so effortlessly. Right. That's the thing. There's a... I don't, I don't know why I would ever watch... He, it, 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 it's just not... It's, okay, obviously he's, he's extremely talented, but sometimes it just feels disarming and how genuine mm-hmm. like maybe he's just a person that showed up mm-hmm. on set mm-hmm. who's having an emotional day <laughs> you know <laughs> and, and it's so funny his um kind of presence outside of his films is so like goofy, goofy. and kind of dorky and maybe even kind of stupid like uh, like the Jimmy Fallon kind of laughing too yes. hard at everything, yes. you know, or maybe kind of airheaded, you know. Yeah, that's a good way of putting but it. The, but but then the the depth of some of the performances, you're like, this is the same guy. I know, I know. It's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, so we're here. We are doing the Dune podcast. Doing the Dune. Do the Dune. <laughs> I don't know when this is coming out, but based on our conversations today, this is probably coming out not when we expected it to. Yes, we've had some scheduling mishaps for all parties involved. I think it's fair to say that all three of us have had 
a good bit of life mm -hmm. uh, land in our laps here. And so we will still be recording the, the Halloween special with Jared. Probably be coming out a little bit after Halloween, though. But, you know, hey, it's a horror movie special. It's yeah. not a Halloween special. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go back my words here. And you will have watched all of the horror movies or whatever ones you wanted, and then you can listen to us talk about them in November. Yeah, yeah if you're not, you know... Uh, quite ready to immediately switch to Christmas mode, which I know everybody is. Uh, let's keep the spooks going a little bit. You know, that's right. The spook season has passed a little too quickly for my taste. Um, yeah. So we're we're gonna do the horror stuff, but Dune came out this weekend, and I don't. How could we not talk I, about it? I don't know. I I guess I'll start with this question because. What was your excitement level or expectation for this movie before it came out? Um, I, this isn't. I'm not saying this to um, try to prove how cool I am or above the mainstream that I am. Mm -hmm. But I found, and this is true even for for studios or um, or like directors or movies that I. I genuinely love. Mm -hmm. This is true for them as well, like the A24s. Mm -hmm. Like the the more hype that I experience for yes. a thing, the harder it is for me to rein in expectations. And yes. then I end up just like almost, like half the time never even seeing the movie. Yes. You know? I and it's not really a, it's not a like with Jim. Yeah. It, yeah, it's not a I just want to be against the mainstream. Mm -hmm. I think it's just an oversaturation, a marketing problem where it's like, and I've I, seen this so many times that I'm already yes. And like, I think with maybe this I'll, one, I'll give it some time before I watch it. With this one in particular, having it been delayed almost an entire year because of COVID, right? And I, I don't even think just the delay. A lot of things were delayed. No Time to Die was delayed. I don't know. It seemed like six different times, but my kind of excitement level for that never went away. And that movie, in a lot of ways, lived up to my expectations for it and I loved it um, but I but I think Dune became the center of the conversation with this HBO Max mm -hmm. Warner Brothers kind of uh, solution for the year where all the Warner Brothers movies are going to go straight to HBO Max and at every and time theaters. and theaters same day and yeah. every time that got brought up as a conversation on a movie podcast or online Dune was at the center of that because Dune you know you know, far and away, um, at least when the announcement was first made, was the biggest thing on that slate. Right. And I think part of that conversation, too, is uh, what's the director's name? Denis Villeneuve. Uh, Denis Villeneuve kind of being very against yes. it coming out on HBO Max. Yes. And kind of pulling a Nolan and being insistent on this is how you're supposed to experience this. Yes. So you have... You have the director uh, kind of definitely feeling some frustration and vocalizing it to a certain extent about the situation. But then also the conversation around Dune just for, for me just so often became about money and like the state of the industry. And so the Dune in, in like the mental space it occupied for me was this, you know, token of the movie industry in general. And, and it really like the excitement for it got wrapped up in like this ugh, it, it it this is what we're going to talk about not the movie itself 
Right. And and so honestly, I was not like, I mean, I was excited, but it was totally different than it was a year ago when this movie was supposed to come out in December of last year. Right. And maybe it's carrying a little bit of the, the Dune curse of yeah. this project being notoriously difficult to get made and get made well. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, it's funny. It's a weird thing for me because I love a lot of the cast. I love Denis Villeneuve's movies. I, I, I mean, basically, want, yeah. Run, th- run through some of them in case our <laughs> listeners don't know. Um, I, I yeah, I want to make sure I get it right, but I think I could probably do it off the top of my head. So the only one, the only mainstream feature of his that I haven't seen was his first, which is um, in French. It's his French language Canadian mm. picture on Sundays. I have not seen that, um, but then he did Enemy, um, which is the Jake Great. Gyllenhaal. Um, crazy, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal doing double duty doppelganger movie. Um, right. Oh, and he did Prisoners the same year. The Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Prisoners is crazy. <laughs> it's the most underrated movie. When you told me yes. to watch that last year, I, f- I still think about that movie. <laughs> like, I need to re-rate that or re-watch it because for some reason I, fe- I felt like a spiritual connection to that movie. <laughs> it, like, it's so fantastic. It, for me, yeah, I, I watched it last year because I was like, yeah, I like Denny and Dune. It was like, you know, Dune's coming out. I want to watch the Denny stuff. I put Prisoners on. I was blown away. I was like, why has it's nobody amazing. been talking about this nonstop for the last seven or eight years? I know. I mean, I had no idea it existed until you told me to watch it. Yeah. So so he did uh, On Sundays, Prisoners, and then Enemy in the same year. And then he does Sicario, which I know you have not seen Sicario. Is that correct? No. It's an incredible movie. Uh, and a lot of these yeah. he worked with. I've only heard amazing yeah. things about it. A lot of these uh, movies, Prisoners, Sicario... Uh, Blade Runner 2049 uh, he worked with Arrival. Roger and, and Arrival but those three he worked with Roger Deakins the you know acclaimed cinematographer and so right. just visually he is just the stuff that he achieves I, and, and all three of those movies uh, are astounding Sicario Blade Runner and uh, Prisoners and they're wildly different pictures like mm-hmm. what what Deakins is doing and 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 Denis are doing in Sicario with these just huge, massive, uh, you know, landscape shots of the the, the American Southwest uh, is totally different than this kind of gross, grimy claustrophobia that they create in Prisoners. Right. And totally different than the brilliantly col- colored, futuristic landscapes of Blade Runner. I mean, it, it, this and so, yeah. Anyway, it's just amazing stuff. Uh, Arrival in there, and then obviously Dune. Um, and I, I love all of his movies. Every one of them I've seen. Right. These are amazing. It's insane. And not only that, he made all of these movies in the span of ten years. <laughs> this is this is one decade of this filmmaker's uh, uh, right. career. And so he's, I'm he's climbing the ranks. Yeah. So I love I love him. I. I love a lot of the cast i like the material i like we, we can talk about the the source material here dune um at some mm-hmm. point you know i'm kind of all in on the sci-fi stuff but i just was not super oh i've got to go you know whatever see this right and it came out and i was like all right i i'm just gonna watch it at home i i don't know i wasn't couldn't figure out how to get to a theater this weekend and just busy stuff, and I put put it on on Friday morning on HBO Max, and I was like, "This is." I mean, within a minute, I'm like, 
this is yeah. this is the best. This <laughs> uh, give me Dune. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I liked. Um, let's let's bring up your letterbox review early. Oh yeah, it's a uh, it's a shared feeling, and <clears throat> maybe what a lot of people feel seeing this movie. I, yeah, this this I really felt this early on in the picture, and it kind of stayed with me through the whole thing. And this is my overriding feeling walking away from it was. Dune made me feel the certain way that I have not felt after watching a movie for 20 years. And the movie, the last movie that made me feel this way was The Fellowship of the Ring. 2001, Fellowship of the Ring, the first Lord of the Rings. And it's that... God, 20 years. And, and that, like, I want to be clear, you know, that doesn't mean I haven't seen a better movie or that there, you know, Dune is not a perfect movie. I, I think a lot of movies of the last 20 years are better than Dune. But this specific feeling of mm-hmm. an entry point into a world that is not just totally and wholly realized, but so well realized. There's a level of right. competition. There's a lot of movies that do, you know, a lot of uh, a pretty thorough world building, but it's not mm-hmm. that interesting, or it's you know, it's not done right. that competently. But what Peter Jackson does with Middle Earth and what Denis is doing here with the Dune universe is unmatched. I mean, that it's, I mean, I think, yeah, 20 years in between the achievement here. Right. It's, um, it's one of those benchmark Mm -hmm. soon to be franchises that changes the, the landscape a bit of culture. Yeah. Or it feels like it's going to. Yeah. Like I, I may, I may feel similarly. I, I don't, I'm not going to put this franchise on the same level as Lord of the Rings sure. or maybe even a Star Wars, but like like a Harry Potter yeah. world yeah. of a whole world yes. that has the legs mm-hmm. to to carry a franchise. Yeah. We're, we're totally ignoring like Marvel. <laughs> well, um, but, I, but, that, that's but even that's a you know, totally different thing. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel like. Yeah, no, exactly. I, there's There's not that magic, that sense of. What is this? I want to be in this world. Yeah, you know? it's so realized and yes. different than than what I see day to day. I I feel like this movie has cracked open this world, and and now the time is ripe for the taking. Basically, I mean, they already have a, a a prequel series in development that's centered around like right. a, like was... a Lady Jessica origin story and the Bene Gesserit, right? Isn't I think the same actress? I, I think so, and she's amazing, yeah. Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. Um, so there's already like that in development. So uh, you know, which is you know not surprising at all because all this is all how this stuff gets made nowadays is right. You know, you, you greenlight something and say, well, what's the what are the ancillary things that we can get out of it? How is this supported for the next yeah. fifteen years? Yeah, because this can't just be. Which, a movie. I mean, that that's what was interesting to hear that the sequel and prequel wasn't greenlit. I mean... What, or was it? I mean, they they made a whole big, you know, show of saying, yeah, we haven't greenlit a sequel well, yet. What, well, like, from my understanding, because 2049 didn't yes. do the numbers that they were hoping, yes. that they were like, all right, buddy, we'll give you yeah. another, like, crazy budgeted film, but... I, let's, but let's make some money but here. I still don't think you throw you know uh, you don't you don't finish the movie 
which he clearly, you know, it's clearly a part one. Yeah, you, you don't spend $160 million on something and say, hey, hey, hopefully this does well and we'll make more. Like, there's a plan here. I mean... Or do people sign up for HBO Max so that they can watch this? Like, that, that's part I'm of so, the goal. Right. I, I'm just like, even with Netflix, I'm so curious about... Like, like, what does doing good numbers mean for a streaming service? Now? I don't know. I, I don't know. But the, Dune has the best box office numbers of any of these uh, HBO Max, Warner Brothers movies. It's the biggest one. Right. But, right. I mean, the, the, it certainly and demonstrated. the timing of it. Yes. And the timing of it being at this point in the pandemic and not, you know, in the middle of Delta in August or whatever. Theaters are open. Yeah. Um, and so it just makes sense, but, uh, yeah, it's, it is, I, I mean, I think they were always planning on doing it. I, 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 the cynically, I wonder, is this part of a marketing scheme to, mm. to say, like, we don't know if this is going to get yeah. a part two. I mean, Denis, go watch it. Denis going around saying, please go see this in IMAX. Please go see it in IMAX because we want to make our, our, you know, our, we want to fully realize our vision here. Um, and it's like, right. all right. <laughs> um, I, I, but at the Although same I time, see I know I, I'm, I mean, I don't need the director to tell me to see that. I just needed to watch the movie once to say, I guess I want to see this again on a giant screen. I, I, that's the thing. I so rarely want to watch a movie over that quickly. And cause so I, we, we watched it last night and I'm going to go with some friends to see it yeah. in the theater tomorrow. And I'm like, totally happy with this decision which is very off-brand for me uh totally off-brand for you but also i think especially so given that it is a two hour and 40 minute sci-fi movie right that's the other thing right. i was like I, w- I was never like wrap it up <laughs> it's, you know it's long which i was surprised by because i i put off watching it for a while because i knew it was long yeah and so if you're not crazy about the world but I, I, I never had that sense of like, all right, I've seen enough of these beautiful visuals. Yeah. Like, you know, turn it off. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's it blew me away. I mean, I, I was just from the mo- from the beginning. I'm like, yeah, I'm here for this. And I mean, basically, I'm like, dude, take me on a journey here. Let's go. Right. And I was going to point this out. So because I had read some early reviews and like first reaction kind of stuff because Dune's premiere was like a month ago or something. Um, right. Yeah, so there were, I remember a wave of not so great reviews. Yeah. That was kind of the initial take, but I, what I think was, and there was like, there was restrictions on publishing, you know, formal reviews at that point, but those initial reaction that the kind of, general consensus was this disappointment in the ending that it was clearly a part one and but people didn't know that 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 Mm. that that was not necessarily clear and i also heard that because at the beginning of the film the title card comes up it says dune part one that had been added after the premiere so that was not something well that's part of what makes me just wonder how how much of this was like we'll see if this yeah makes enough yeah sure I, I i do think there is there's certainly elements of this that are kind of like oh this is weird i mean even like with lord of the rings they filmed those three movies at the same time and then mm-hmm. were able to release them you know one year after the other which was a huge ordeal and 
they didn't that was never the plan with this i mean it's going to be two more years before we have dune part two because they haven't started filming it um did they say 2023 yeah it is october 2023 Uh, i know monsters um but especially when you think about that it it was ready a year i know i know that's that's what kills me is like we could have had the sequel in production this year you dummies um but you know in interviews denis had said he could not have handled doing two or three movies simultaneously that Mm. that you know just the production on this was such a a a monstrous feat that you know and and i think hey the product is good um right you know right you don't want to fault in there uh but yeah that demanding for a reason i I think the that 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 title card was added after the fact to say dune part one because when i watched it i was like oh dune part one so i i kind of know i can even even in the first few minutes, adjust my expectations for what the narrative is going to be. Narrative narrative right. structure of the film. I'm like, look, if it ends on a cliffhanger, if it doesn't have a, a, a satisfying resolution to the story, prepped. I'm prepped. That's fine. And yeah. so I, I do think that's the biggest difference between that initial wave of kind of mixed reaction to then what has been a pretty... I cannot think of another film this year that has been basically unironically universally loved online on letterboxd yes i have so many like Like, non-film bro people on twitter being like dune rocks (laughs) you know (laughs) they're just excited but even film twitter like film twitter just loves dune right and that can be such a cynical place i know you it really it kind of wins you over into that that's why i liked your review of like oh yeah, movies can be fun. Yeah, you know, and I feel like fun so, and beautiful, and so much of like film conversation nowadays is like let's be contrarian. I have to not like this Marvel product. I have white to, savior complex. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I, every time I see that get brought up on Twitter or a, you know some movie group on Facebook, the first or second comment is like just stop. We don't need to have this conversation. Dune is awesome. <laughs> it's like although. Did you did you hear about this that uh, Kynes was in the book was a white dude? Yeah, yeah. And so there was actually some interesting choices. She, and she's amazing. Oh, she crushed it! I, like I, I was actually surprised by her her take of that character. Yeah, um, but it was perfect because because in the book Stilgar and Kynes mm-hmm. are a little interchangeable in their like personality mm-hmm. and demeanor because they're basically but two she, male. Fremen, Fremen, you know, you know yeah. know the planet. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so the kinds in 2021 Dune, like almost had that nurturing. Yeah. Feminine. Yes. Sense, which makes sense as the, but like, there's, there's a fierceness to planetary. Her too. Yeah. But like as, as, as the yeah. character that, that cares for the planet mm. and, and knows and is intimate with it. And like, mm-hmm. like she's saying that like, the desert is my home. Mm-hmm. And like the character in the book is very like loves Arrakis. Yeah. You know, and wants to see it restored. Yeah. And so like the, it, it was just a, at first just hearing it, it felt random. Yeah. The choice, but, but like, it was great it for really that well. character. Oh yeah. Yeah. And especially because I watched, uh, D- uh, David Lynch's Dune mm-hmm. in preparation as well. 
Um, and I'm like, you know what? Screw you guys. I like this movie too. <laughs> it's definitely like the cartoon version. It's so goofy, but it, it's it's a good time. It's still fun. Yeah. And it's still wacky. David Lynch and and also Kyle MacLachlan. Yep. And part part of me is like what? ready to check it out. If only what? if only for the Dune content. <laughs> I know. It's like people act like it's a Battlefield Earth or something. It's like the actual opening sequence, there, there's, I think there's some interesting stuff that he's doing. Yeah. But um, it, it definitely, like the the novel's narrative structure uses a lot of um, like jumping into people's heads yes. and kind of over explaining. Yeah. Like, um, you know, Kynes noticing that the Duke wants to save the people mm-hmm. in the mining cart that's about to be eaten by mm-hmm. a worm instead of the machine and save the money. Yeah. And they're like, hmm, I like this dude. He seems to care for people more than machine. And the Lynch movie definitely engages with a lot of mm. that, like jumps in people's heads and over explains to people. And I think that's one thing I very much appreciated about this Dune is one, so succinctly introduce you to this world and explain it. Yeah. And it's still a little confusing, but they do a great job for like yeah, so I, I mean, I want to talk about that. So let's just talk about our familiarity with the source material. So you've read the whole novel. I've read it like and finished it days before okay. watching both the David Lynch and the. So you just finished it last week. Dude. Yeah, and I was pissed because I'm like, oh, it's a part one. I didn't have to rush <laughs> you to didn't finish have to this rush. book. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> it's a long book. I've read. I mean, it is a long book. So it's like 700 pages. So I've read, I read this year, late last year, about the first 150 pages, and mm-hmm. I, I dropped off, of, dropped kind of out of it because I was reading it while I was in Ghana, and then we moved home, and life changed, and and it's a hard book. You take a month off of it, yeah. it's, There's no coming back. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what that book is. Um, so I didn't drop it for lack of enjoyment. Um, right. But. So, so I, I mean, that first 150 pages, that's a lot of like laying the groundwork. The, a lot of the, right. the Fremen characters were new to me because um, basically I got to the point in the book where uh, um, uh, Paul like is attacked. them had landed. He's attacked yeah. by the, the hunter seeker. Um, yeah. And so that's about as far as I had gotten. And so they're on Arrakis, you know, you know, like sociopolitically what's going on in the world. Um, but I didn't, you know, so that was like good context for me. Um, but I thought the movie did it so deftly. So just, yeah. Brilliantly introducing just tiny pieces of, I mean, I get, I get it. Paul is studying Arrakis for our benefit. That's the exposition of right. the Fremen and the still suits and the sand walk but right the genius of it is that it's both of our benefits Mm -hmm. him and us yeah exactly and and i I like that stuff didn't annoy me at all because it felt very natural like yes this this aristocratic family is taking stewardship of this planet like the duke's son should should learn where it is they're going and what it is because he's going to take all of this over that's the idea um, and so all of that just felt very natural to me within the world. Yeah. How do you think, though, someone who had no context for the the novel, the background, engage? I mean, did you watch this with Sarah? 
Yeah, yeah. She she had a couple questions along the way, but it's sort of thing where just as you watch it, yeah. the, the movie answers it, yeah. even if you're confused, you know? Like the Harkonnen versus the Sardaukars. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Um, like, okay, who's and why are yeah. they together and they're not together? But at, if you just give yourself to the movie, it's like, it's we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, boy, just great choices, too. I mean, I'm, I was getting so... It's that funny, like, kind of Star Wars vibes from it, but, like, George Lucas rips off just whole cloth so much of Dune for the... I know. <laughs> I, I, when I looked up, like, when the novel came out, I was like, wait a minute, dude. <laughs> this is not okay. <laughs> Even the worm. Uh, yes. The worm, the sand people, the sand planet. But, but then also, like... Trade Federation fighting. Literally, the, they call him the emperor. They call him the emperor. <laughs> and I'm like, dude. <laughs> but then there's this like weird, like, all right, we've kind of come full circle where Dune exists as its own novel, but then structurally, how do you how do you divide that novel into two or three movies? And you can see Denis Villeneuve and his writers are learning from that Star Wars original trilogy. Like, this is the, let's get, mm. I mean, Paul's journey in this movie is so reflective of Luke's journey in the first movie. Right, we, awakening to his destiny. Yes, we don't see the Emperor in this movie. Right. But I'm assuming that's a right. character in the novel. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's interesting. The Lynch one starts with the Emperor. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it's it's not like there are these hard and fast rules about the narrative structure of of Dune. Denis is making these choices. Of, I mean, boy, Zendaya is all over the 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 publicity for this movie. She and Timothy Chalamet, their like publicity tour was all over the place. And, I mean, she, does she have ten lines? Like. <laughs> She's. I won't let you kill my friends. <laughs> She's in minutes of this movie, and and she is this presence throughout through his dreams and visions. So, you, you know, it, it, and 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 she is such a charismatic performer. So even just to see those images of her conveys a lot. But right. obviously, there's this conscious decision. We're going to introduce this character and the the Javier Bardem character, and they, I assume, are going to have much bigger roles. Plus, uh, uh, I assume that because, gosh, they killed everybody else that I liked in this movie. Um, right. I know. Duncan. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Pour one out. I have seen some memes of, like, Duncan, Idaho. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, uh, be quiet. Your, your, your Star Wars guy's name is Lucas. Which <laughs> uh, I'm just now realizing George Lucas. Uh, it's like I'll name him after me, yeah, Luke <laughs> Lucas. Um, no, I, I, you know, so so I, you can see he's setting the stage for the next movie um, and making pretty intentional narrative decisions about how to how to get there. And I'm like, wow, this really works. The Emperor as a presence in this movie that's kind of instigating these these shifts in in what's happening is, but then you never see him as like brilliant and. And it would be easy to show him. We, we see the Emperor's army, the Sardaukar, whatever they are. You, you see this, mm-hmm. this you know, elite fighting force, but we never see him. And and, and he is spoken of. And it's just, I, I love the way he, 
gets out because I think when I think an ominous presence that yeah. you know is lurking. Yeah, when I think about the movie Arrakis, uh, as a visually Arrakis sticks out, and the Fremen and the stuff that happens in the last like forty minutes, that's the stuff that that sticks out to me. Um, but as I was rewatching it, I found myself really engaged with just all of the other scenes um, and and how he he moves this narrative forward. I love this stuff with the Baron. Uh, oh Every Baron scene <laughs> oh is my gosh. unreal <laughs> and disgusting, <laughs> disgusting, but like terrifying. He's more disgusting in the book than terrifying, but like, man, give the sound design an Oscar right now like whenever his back comes uh-huh. alive Ooh. i'm like this is this is abominable oh my gosh and and it's stellan skarsgård who's just so good it he's got this voice and that accent i mean it's it's horrifying <laughs> i am um, i it was so fun to see uh no country for old men reunion in the same scene when gurney and stilgar Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, it's those two. <laughs> this is like a different timeline for these characters because they like have similar energy. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, space, no country for old uh, men. See, I saw all of the memes where whenever it was Gurney and Oscar Isaac or Leo uh, Atreides on screen together, it was the two Llewellyns, Llewellyn Davis and Llewellyn from No Country. Uh, yeah. See, <laughs> Llewellyn, <laughs> Llewellyn, where where have you been? She's like, out. You're going to see your mother. Anyway, his pace of kind of, um, you know, meandering through mm-hmm. visions and um, dreams and kind of like potential realities, because that's that's kind of what he's getting at, at least from the book, is that what the spice does for Paul's allows him to see into the future, mm-hmm. but he sees like, you know, 50 different timelines that he could walk through. Yeah. And most of them end in his death. Yeah. And so he's like, it's a very narrow road. The choices he makes yeah. to avoid that. So that's why we see him being killed a lot. Yeah. Like in his visions, but cause the dreams and visions kind of have a way of interrupting the real action or you're kind of second guessing what's real, mm-hmm. which like, I could see why people would be complaining because I've the some of the critiques I'm seeing is about the pacing. Yeah, but there is that just washing effect. Yeah, that it, it feels very uh, like a meditation half the movie, and then it's like it pendulum swings from meditation to like amazing action sequences. Yeah, I, I actually appreciate that appreciated that aspect of the pacing because I I agree with what you said. It just felt like. You could lose yourself in the washing over scenes right. of the visions and the contemplation. And then it's like all of a sudden, oh, Leo <laughs> Yeah. Leo Atreides is being assassinated. Like, um and and then it's just we're here and I'm like, I was not ready for a character's death. And right. and that is very, you know, obviously faithful to the novel, but a novel can dispose of characters in that way and you parse it out over 700 pages where in a Mm -hmm. movie it's like oh shoot it's only you know we still have an hour and a half left and the duke is dead or whatever it is you know right Uh, one of the major stars yeah and and so those things become really surprising and i i like that the surprising exciting 
that whether whether it was actually action or just the the um, okay the plot is really moving for a few minutes here is is kind of interrupted by these interludes uh, that kind of slows it down and lets you not recover but kind of react mm-hmm. right because I do think there is there's huge significance to these to the, to Duke Leo's death but but other characters deaths um, and the way that they affect Paul and he Denis just seems to have this real sense of like all right let's let's let Paul and the audience uh, just sit in that for a little while <laughs> right right and, and that's okay and I, and I really responded to that yeah it's a I, I felt it was really different than what I'm used to from a movie like this yeah I think the soundtrack kind of reflects it too, where it's like a low simmering mm-hmm. all the time, and then like extreme bashing you over the head. Yeah, and then drops right back down. Yeah, and it's so uh, it, it's jarring, but it's not unpleasant. No, I I don't think it's unpleasant at all. And I, you know, I I think you could see the version of Dune that is like a ten episode HBO drama. God. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and that's how I feel. Um, it's, you know, episode... A Netflix show. Yeah, episode four or five ends with Duke Leo's assassination, and it's just played as this big cliffhanger, and then, you know, the next episode jumps in, and there's no time to, like, react to it, and it's just plot, 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 plot. And there's not a lot that sounds fun about that to me. <laughs> right. Uh, That's the thing. It's so gosh darn fun, this whole movie. Yeah. Yes, um, and and I, f- I find that really interesting, especially kind of in this post Game of Thrones world, where you know the desire in a lot of with a lot of this stuff is to turn it into the next Game of Thrones, right? Like Amazon has their Lord of the Rings TV series coming out. Right, it is. It's such a um, all-consuming attention machine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like you start to, or hopefully I do, you start to like wait. You're just trying to eat all of my time. Yes. <laughs> versus delivering something that's satisfying. Yeah, and and I think we've talked about this on a recent conversation on the podcast, but <laughs> it keeps coming up. I, I mean, and it's and it's relevant. It's relevant to this movie. But I think when it comes to something like that, you know. Succession is probably the best example. Succession. Oh, <laughs> sorry. You just say the word succession. I'm like, oh yeah. Succession is incredible, but the there's a lot of plot that's happening. Now that plot mm. is people sitting in rooms and talking to each other. Oh, but, but it's so good. But they're. Yeah. I mean, it's just like every other scene. You're watching allegiances flip, and you know characters. Oh going and making these calls and, and screwing over each other. It's all plot, 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 plot. Um, and they get so much out of that. And that's, I love it. I love Succession. So this isn't anything on that. Um, but, you know, that Succession is rare. Succession is this rare oh my gosh. example of how well that can work and how you can really take right. take advantage of the, the form, which is a you know 10 episode season. Uh, right. To get something. Extre- extreme competency. Yeah. Where, you know, I and I, I watched some Lord of the um, 
Game of Thrones a little bit at the beginning, but mostly the criticisms that Game of Thrones had at the end was just like they're spinning their wheels because they don't have enough. So, they don't have enough plot. Something's gotta happen. Yeah, something has to happen, but they don't have enough plot to cover ten episodes this year, and so these characters are just gonna walk around a lot. And but it, it's that thing that a movie does so well that it doesn't need to be about plot where it can just move into that contemplative reflective space you know not not that i'm comparing this not that i'm comparing dune to something like stalker um but but, although uh, there's there's sand dunes in in stalker there you go uh there's a connection (laughs) but but right like tarkovsky is not about plot he is about now that I'm thinking about them, like they're very similar. <laughs> they're venturing to this hyper hostile area or planet and with uh, a guy a guy yeah. with a guy to show them how to handle the terrain yeah. and the ever changing puzzle of the world yeah. and uh it's hard not to die. <laughs> <laughs> it, There's sand dunes. We got it all here. <laughs> you know but, but you know, and that's that's part of the thing is like Tarkovsky, he knows what he's doing. He's trying. To, he's trying to get a feeling out of you, mm-hmm. and I think I think Villeneuve, I think he's trying to do that too in this movie, and so he's using the strengths of the of the medium, and 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 almost making the, giving that a, a, as much priority as plot, and saying it's okay if we we have space here. I mean, David Lynch tried to. You know, I don't know. It's maybe not David Lynch's fault, but he tried to get all of the plot in, into one movie, and it's right. not the most successful. It's 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 not doing any of this, right? It's not right. doing that rich, you know, contemplative. He hates that movie. Yeah, um, and and so I just I love that they make this into a movie, and they say we're gonna do movie stuff with this. We're gonna mm. do big action set pieces that, you know, the level that you could only get with a big budget movie. Because, you know, infamously, all of Game of Thrones' big action stuff were in the middle of the night because CGI is easier when it's darker. Um, You know, we're going to do the big action stuff that you can only get with a big budget movie. And then we're going to give you just this character study, human drama, you know, contemplation, space to do that and reflect and and just have the thing wash over you. That gets really boring if it's an episode of TV. Right. What what about Dune sticks out in your head the most when compared to other sci-fi ventures, and why is it more successful? Because mm. I can't remember the last time I saw a sci-fi movie that I was like, "Yes, this is this is like I'm here for this." I, I, but but there's a new one every yeah, day, yeah. or at least a new show on Netflix every day. Yeah. So I think part of it is Dune's relationship to technology. Uh, the te- mm. the technology in Dune is very curious to me. Um, I know it's so beautiful. It's beautiful, but it's also not perfect. Like right, it, right, it 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 breaks. It it breaks, and even the stuff that does work doesn't always do it successfully or you know, as efficiently as, as maybe what we're used to. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I think about 
and, and you know, obviously the 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 stuff breaking down is just this great testament to the the lived in feeling of right. of the universe, but. Uh, and honestly, some of it feels so rudimentary. The thumper, as, as an example, of like this brilliant, elegant piece of technology to draw the sandworms away from, mm. you know, a, a Fremen right. group or whatever. And the sound design is... And it's perfect. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. But ultimately, it's just like a rhythmic noisemaker, you know? Right. It so purely serves the world versus being like a cool space thing. Yes. And it's not oh, we have designed that we've created this technology that just solved our sandworm problem. <laughs> like, right, where right. I think a lot of sci-fi is about is is the, the vision of technology is all about conquering and taming nature in, in ways that are, like, unimaginable or unrealistic. And mm-hmm. and Dune, it's like, no, we, we like, kind of worship the sand dunes because, or the, the sandworms, because we cannot tame them. <laughs> And well, okay, yeah, but uh, yeah, we cannot tame them. Yeah, we might be able to ride them. We might be able to ride them with our desert power. Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> Kinds, I know. Who's she waiting for? She was. She, I oh yeah, she got those things out, and I'm like, is she gonna ride one of those things? And yeah, that's what she was trying to do. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, but but it's like the the technology is you know hooks to get onto the sandworm and a thumper to draw it to you, right? Like. Right. That's rudimentary. It it feels, I mean, it's definitely technology, but it's rudimentary. It is not a a, a solution. Um, Like there was none of the technology that really needed to be explained to you. That too. Like, what does this do? Yes. Because it was so, so intuitive. Yes. Like even his little um, projector thing that was teaching him Mm -hmm. about the world. Mm -hmm. It like... It almost felt like an old version. It, it felt like uh, it, it's not someone today envisioning what a projector would look like yeah. in the future. Yes. It was like a projector of the past with like a futuristic aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it feel more real. Yeah. Um, and plausible, I guess. You know, even like... Um, and, and there's also like a cohesiveness to it. So... The, it's not all chrome. But yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not, because I think what we think of in like sci-fi war is like laser blasters, right? Or what I think is uh, like like projected computer that oh, you can like interact yeah. with in the, in, the, in the air, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yes, like the, the, I mean, it's funny how often that stuff ends up in not, not sci-fi movies, but in like James Bond movies, where you're like, right, right. Why, why does British Secret Service uh, seem to have like technology for like, like fifty years, from fifty now. years from now, where where <laughs> it's like AR, but not. Yes, like, it's like their fingers aren't touching. This anything, doesn't make any sense. But somehow this is yeah. Um, Ultra shiny, yeah. Like like um like just a million infographics being displayed with no real yeah. information yeah. from them. The the like user interface on futuristic computers is so like it's just like numbers <laughs> being generated, or it's like 
oh, you know, exactly the information that I need. And it's like, yeah, but but where are your apps and where are your folders? Our readings indicate right? there's a worm over there. It's like, no, we, we can see the sand. Yeah. yeah. And and they have to have, you know, human piloted, you know, little drones to yes. fly around and look for them. It is grounded sci-fi. Yeah. I was going to say about the gun thing, you know, there aren't really guns in this world, which is an interesting thing to have a, you know, a modern big action movie that doesn't have that, but it also and sci-fi. And sci-fi, but it's also cohesive in that oh, they they have these these body shields that right. repel a bullet. A gun's less effective. A, a gun is not yeah. effective against that. Yeah. And that, that it just gives you time to block the yeah. the bullet. And so uh, uh, warfare has adapted and it becomes get to stabbing. Yeah, get to stabbing, man. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you, it was so like I I didn't realize until after but I felt a sense of uh like a this jarring sense as I'm watching especially the attack on Arrakis. Uh, mm. because it's all like this brutal hand-to-hand stuff. Right. It feels more like Braveheart than it feels like a sci-fi movie, but it's in this otherworldly place. Right. The machetes are coming out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I, I I, just think there is a... And, and this is a uh, credit to uh, Frank Herbert's, you know, design of the technology now i read this is this is there like a backstory with the technology in the book uh what do you mean i like all the technology yes i i read somewhere that there, like in the history of dune there had been a some oh great war against some like ai that was trying to eliminate oh. humans and so as a reaction there all of the technology moving forward became kind of slightly more rudimentary and and there was not this pursuit to create computers in the way that we think about them there there's something about yeah i think that's there and like i'm not remembering it right but there's even stuff about um the weaponry on arrakis and Mm. um there being confusion on wait like the fremen use artillery like actual bullets oh, like in, wow. their mis- in, in like their missiles yeah. you know and stuff like that and like technology um like like there's some i think someone's gonna say i'm wrong um there was stuff about how there's not even um shields for stuff like that because people don't so don't use it yeah and so yeah there's like a shock yeah of these this old yes technology that they're engaging with so there's definitely some of that. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. it well. But but I honestly I, I don't need to know any of that. Uh, but mm-hmm. knowing it makes the experience a lot richer for me. And and it's like oh, it, living now. I don't know how he wrote this stuff in 1965. But I'm thinking, sitting here in 2021, I'm like, yeah, war against some AI or like some some cataclysmic right. humanity changing thing that stems from you know, uh, some horrible misuse of artificial intelligence. That seems probable. We're getting there. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> Any day now. Uh, just... I, I was going to say, you know, that kind of backstory, that context for technology that feels real and lived in, and in the same way where I look at, because I think a lot of sci-fi stuff that are trying to create new worlds, and it's just like wild, like, uh, we're creating this tribe and they're weird and and 
<laughs> and they're weird. <laughs> you know, and it's like they try to illustrate that stuff like, but there's no grounded explanation for it. But all the Fremen stuff mm. felt very like, yeah, no, I get this. The the right. the reverence for the worms, the the kind of worship of that felt very like, yeah, I I totally understand this. This is this, uh, yeah, you know, force beyond their control that, uh, you know, their culture is literally built around. Um, yeah, and it's fascinating. To and me. spoiler alert for the book. Yeah, but. And probably later on the series as well, which I'm not going to touch the rest of the series because yeah. I hear there's a pretty steep drop off in quality. Yeah. But like the connection between the worms and the production of the spice. Oh yeah. So like oh interesting. Them being a, and like even the worms being protectors of the spice. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like all, all this like guardianship. Yeah. Of this substance that like unlocks people's potential. And for like terror and good, uh, but then also it's the it's the material that allows the universe to be connected in the way it is through space travel, right? And so it's not right. just a unlocking human potential, but also interstellar potential, um, right? It, it, yeah, even in that way, obviously the comparisons with the Force and mm-hmm. um, even stuff with Lord of the Rings of like the Ring of it amplifying, yeah just what a person could do because that's why Paul's ability once he gets like addicted to it he's like almost able to see the future you know well and it's funny you bring up the force because literally the Bene Bene Gesserit have a like force speak force speak and Jedi mind tricks like (laughs) that that is egregious Can, can someone can we cancel Star Wars I mean I mean, good lord! In Dune, it's the voice to get people to do what you want, and then fifteen years later or whatever, it's Obi Wan. The, not the droids. Are these are not for. the droids you're looking for. And I'm like up, what? Dude. Like Obi Wan's a Bene Gesserit. Uh, that's egregious. <laughs> Frankie must have been like, really, dude? Really? It's it's insane. Everyone's like, George Lucas is a genius. <laughs> Look at all the stuff he thought of. Uh, <laughs> oh, and also, uh, I mean, I know this is a lot of stories, but freaking Avatar. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Th- I'm going to go to this planet, become one of them, uh, and then connect to the. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that's also a zillion stories yeah. in movies, but. Can we cancel Avatar after this, please? <laughs> no, we're I getting not th- with that second one. We're getting three more. <laughs> God. Oh, are we mining the planet for materials? Unobtainium. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's stupid. I don't like that movie. <laughs> That's what it's called, right? Unobtainium. Um, it's the rarest stuff in the universe, so we need yeah, it. it's it's literally called unobtainium. <laughs> so stupid! Oh my gosh! Well, what, what what were we just watching that had something like that? Let me see. I think it was a superhero. Shang Chi. Yes. Yeah. And it was like cryptomania, <laughs> dragonanium, dragon scale, but it's, it's vibranium like, oh is the you know the Black Panther but version. If it if your magic substance doesn't end in um, it's not real. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh man, I love it. 
So uh, the other big thing, you mentioned this earlier and I want to talk about it. The other big comparison point for me is Dune as a, as this universe world building new franchise and comparing it to what has been the dominant feature of movie culture the last 10 years in the Marvel movies, the MCU Mm. and why I am so much more interested in Dune than Eternals, which comes out next week, than anything else that Marvel is doing. The the movie poster kind of looks like a Dune vibe. I know. Nice try. I know. (laughs) It's a trap. Um, And I, I mean, I don't know if it's just Dune feels fresh in a lot of ways, but I, I don't know. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to speak on it just because I've seen so few. But I never felt stupid watching Dune. Yeah. And most Marvel movies make me feel stupid. Yeah. In that they're like, "Hey, buddy, this is why we're gonna go do this. Like, this is um, we gotta have way expository dialogue explain this to you because you're not gonna figure it yeah. out otherwise." Dune is like, "Here's the world. We're going. Yeah. We do not have time. We're going." And it's like, yeah. A much better feeling like oh i'm figuring this out as we go they're trusting me a little bit that i'm gonna be able to hang with the material yeah and uh you know a part of the strength the 10 rings must be gathered <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if they say that i just assume you know part of the strength of dune is that it is just it feels in a lot of ways very fundamental as a human story like this is mm. so connected to you know, biblical archetypes. It, it just feels very elemental um, mm-hmm. where, you know, the, the MCU, you know, the MCU more than like, even, even like some of the DC stuff feels very elemental. The, the man of steel, we talked about this mm-hmm. on the podcast. Um, and that's a strength of that movie. Um, where the MCU stuff is like, it's, you know, I guess it's at its core. It's a lot of hero story stuff, but it just it, it. I just don't know how well these movies are going to age. Dune will age really well. I don't know how yeah. well. It's kind of you know. It's kind of the spectacle of of just seeing the next hero. Yeah. Pop up. You know, but even even or see this hero interact with this one. So much of it is, you know, we're putting them in New York City, and it's it's really New York, and we're having jokes about the shawarma place you know or you know captain america winter soldier they go to an apple store at a mall um and those are like fun things i guess the first time you're watching the movie yeah maybe that was another part of it was there was a lack of self-referential or ironic yeah joke jokey you know which like fourth wall breaking stuff part of me part of me wants to say that sci-fi in general is kind of immune to a lot of that stuff but Mm -hmm. the last couple star wars movies really engaged with this weird schlocky kind of meta humor that that like zoom call where he's like hey i can't hear you yeah and and that's in the last jedi and that's a movie i will defend a lot of that movie and i know you don't like it but that stuff was stupid that stuff is just right. that doesn't belong in a star wars movie 
Like, right. I, I, and I don't know. I don't know why. And it's it's to like sending each other memes. Yeah, and it's Oscar Isaac. He's in Dune. Um, I don't know why this guy is prank calling people on a star destroyer. Denis just seems uh, much more concerned with beauty. Mm -hmm. It just looks so much better. (laughs) It does than ninety nine percent of movies. Oh my god, including the MCU movies. That's like I can excuse whatever campiness will come. Um, the thoughtfulness. Yeah, and that's in every one of his movies. And look, all of his movies, I love them. I think I would say uh, every one of them. Enemy is a little like weird. Have you seen Enemy? No. no. It's it's weird. You know. I never watch a director's first movie. That's his second, but that's a weird rule. <laughs> also, a rule that I totally don't. Um, Just made up. Enemy's weird, but um, his movies are not uh, that funny, <laughs> shall we say? <laughs> Prisoners is not it's a not real... Funny <laughs> Prisoners is not a really... Where's my daughter? <laughs> not a really ha-ha kind of movie. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Don't you see? Why don't you like them? <laughs> That's one of the funniest things. <laughs> I need to stay in every episode. Uh, That's Dune, man. Yeah, who That's who Dune. who was that in Dune? Was that the Baron? <laughs> <laughs> to a House of Trades. Yeah, <laughs> we liked you. Is that why you hate us? <laughs> like. Uh, Man, that oil bath was something else. <laughs> that spider thing that he had? Yeah, uh, that was fine. But the oil bath? Oh, yeah. Oh, checking my boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I love this. Let's stay in this scene for a long time. <laughs> I want to see oil cascade down the Baron's back. <laughs> Because it's so disturbing. This is this is like and, and strangely beautiful, disgusting, <laughs> healing oil bath after he'd been poisoned. Yeah, the aliens like fake testing the oil levels with their weird fingers. Oh my like, gosh, he's not ready yet. <laughs> he's still been poisoned. Oh, oh, when they find him from like on the oh, ceiling yeah. coughing, I'm like. Ugh! <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, favorite character. <laughs> Uh, and they took a, a, a page out of the Lord of the Rings book of having just like eating disgustingly, like the, the yes, king that he is. Yes, the uh, the like, steward well. of Gondor guy. Yeah. <laughs> now I've got you here. <laughs> it, but also like Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, and he randomly just like floats away <laughs> in some scenes. It's like, all right, <laughs> I'll float up. Man, the fl- oh man, the floating in this movie is just oh the 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 Sardaukar soldiers floating down yeah beautiful <laughs> thank you yes. it's amazing I'm just so thankful the entire movie I'm like this looks good yes. and I never see stuff like this well I love Dune um, do you want to get to our segments. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Segment time. Uh, what are you drinking? 
I had I had a cold fashioned. Oh. Right, because I had up since six, and uh, straight after dinner, I was doing freelance work until this call, and now I'm tired. I, uh, LaCroix corn. Hibiscus LaCroix, just like last week. Uh, but I also had a cup of coffee right before we started. This is, excuse me, a damn fine cup of segments, which was quite nice. My Enoch. How would you describe the flavor of that cup? Uh, it's Big Bang from Pete's. It's a bright All right. Uh, all right. I was looking for damn fine. Uh, <laughs> we'll move uh, on my seven-year-old Enoch has gotten suddenly into mini Nilla wafers, so uh, we've got a box of those, a little couple of those with a cup of coffee. Whoa! Oh, yeah, that's it. That's You're it. Living the life, that's baby. It. What more could you ask for? That's right. All right. Favorite. Do shot. you have a favorite shot? Just, I, the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, it could be anything in the movie. I, I, I don't have one. I can tell you. Maybe a couple images that stuck out to me if you have some. Yeah, let's do that. Um, I like, I, I really like the the images of, and shots of Paul walking outside of the palace in Arrakis and watching mm. the... With the trees? Uh, the, the palm trees. Watching the attendant watering the palm trees. And mm. that kind of, you know, that image of this palm tree in the middle of this absolutely barren desert. Um, right. Really beautiful to me and then similarly when they're in the the um it, was it like a ecological research station uh the kinds took them to mm. oh yeah and yeah. they open the door into that space where all, there's all this greenery and and it's like oh wow i actually haven't seen this color for an hour and a half and right. it's so bright and just fills the screen it's like an anti-green night yeah, yeah. Where you're like ah hope, <laughs> <laughs> not death. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, those are a couple images. I mean, uh, the mu- the movie is beautiful, um, astoundingly beautiful. Yeah. But a couple of those images really stuck out. I just texted you my favorite. Let's see. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh my god. <laughs> Uh, that Baron, man. What a gem. Uh, Mitchell just sent me a picture of the Baron getting out of his oil bath. We'll post it to the Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely post this. How could you not? This is this is uh what I want. Uh, this is this is me and the oil bath is Dune. More Dune. <laughs> That's that's the meme yeah. we're looking for. <laughs> These aren't the memes we're looking for. All right, um, now that's a good one. The green, the life, the hope. Yeah. Um, for real though, the the sort of cars, sort of cars. I don't know if I'm saying yeah. any of it right, but them descending is unreal. Yeah. Both in the initial like uh, like when they're landing on the planet, and then also when they're in the Fremen. Uh, base yeah. sort of thing, and the Fremen are enjoying some coffee. Yeah, yes, I love uh, that. And and it and then it comes, they come down, and it's been abandoned. The Fremen are gone. Yes, yeah. you're like, oh, this is a movie. Yeah. Oh, oh, they're like wanting to try stuff. Yeah, <laughs> this is good. This is oh man, I love it. And then another favorite I just texted you is when uh, Paul mm. and Jessica come up walk that up dune. that dune. Yeah, 
and see the 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 utter atrocity. Yeah. The madness. The attack on Arrakis. Yeah. Yeah. But that that was framed up nice. Um, and then you know what? I really liked when Paul's getting tested with the pain box. Oh, the Ganjabar. <laughs> we walk. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I'm the one that read it. I don't even know. I just call it the pain without box. <laughs> uh, but he walks in, and that witch is just like, enter. She's just like a, a demon in the room. Uh, oh, yeah. I found one of those Sardaukar picks. I'll send your way. Yeah. So dope. Yeah, the whole movie just looks ridiculous yeah. so i mean i could obviously say every shot of the landscape oh is a i love this i love the way he shot the stuff at night with these there's just the lighting of it um yeah. you know these you know huge huge like floodlights or whatever that he's using um yeah and then just like pitch blackness behind them uh mm-hmm. where a lot of a lot of directors and i, I must i don't know if it's a cg thing of like night action like are content with keeping the, the the figures themselves almost obscured in darkness, and Denis is like, no, we're gonna shine giant lights on this stuff, and right. it's just gonna Man. look insane. I read that he the the still suits mm-hmm. that he that they designed them to be darker um, because in the in the book they're like made to look like the sand mm. so that you can hide better. Yeah, but just for like, but yeah, for like be able to highlight the actors faces and and themselves like making the suits darker. yeah but that's what that's another thing i appreciated about the film is there was so little nighttime hides the flaws let's just yeah you know, yeah do all the the big stuff then yeah and i we didn't really talk about this but basically the climax of the movie is a knife fight in the desert I so appreciated the sort of clumsy action yeah. that they went with. Yeah. And it wasn't like a 20 minute <laughs> yeah. like, like a million counters and punches, but there was just like clumsy brutality. Yes. And it doesn't and it, uh it doesn't so draw fresh. it out either. Right. Paul gets the upper hand pretty quickly, wants the guy to yield, and then that's the drama is no, we don't do that. Like, and yeah. and then Paul has to make a decision, and that's the defining moment. The defining moment is not the fight. The defining moment is right. Paul is the better fighter, and is he going to actually kill this guy for the for the first time? Kill someone, right? And I don't know if they do this in the next movie, but it seems like not because it seems like they kind of brushed over. But the funeral for Jameis mm. um, is equally like steeped in ritual and everyone's kind of going around saying something about him yeah like a positive thing yeah and paul was like feeling this sense of i need to do this too Mm. um especially to be kind of like accepted by but he's like how can i try to kill me and then he gets to him and he's like Jameis was a friend he taught me the lesson of you know Mm. of what a man's life is worth yeah or or basically it was basically like the value of life yeah and you know what it means to take it from someone yeah and then he cries over it Mm. because he's so emotional about it and then everyone's like shocked because that's kind of the ultimate uh like gesture of Mm. giving your moisture oh yeah man 
Yeah. How rich is that? I know. It's it's just right there. It's beautiful. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, man. So I don't know if they're going to start the movie, the next movie, this funeral. Probably not. It seems like they kind of like bagged him up and walked off. But anyway. So, yeah. Favorite shots. What else we got? Uh, Letterboxd review. 4.5. We'll see what 2 does. Oh, yeah. That's exactly how I feel. I'm like, this is... It's kind of again. My my written review was making that connection to how I felt coming out of Fellowship of the Ring, and uh, I'm just curious as to where this goes. Um, and I right. loved this movie, and I don't think I don't think a future people out here giving this thing twos. It's insane. What more do you <clears throat> want? I know. Um, I. I don't think a future movie could make me love this one any less, but a future movie could make me love it more. I'll put it that way. Where yes. I, a, a, a good like example, and we'll see how this goes in a month or so, The Matrix Reloaded, the sequel to The Matrix, was a movie I liked mm-hmm. a lot when I first saw it, but The Matrix Revolutions, the third one, is so bad it made me hate the second one. Uh, right. Those those sequels. Like, were, oh, this was the course you were on. Yeah, yeah. It, it made me rethink that entire second movie. Um, and we have a new Matrix movie coming out next month, so there's that. And they're like skipping those two, right? I I don't know. I think this is like. I thought I read that it was as if those second two hadn't happened oh, or something. Oh, well, wow. That that, that be would wrong. be interesting. Anyways, uh, we'll Could save it for the Matrix pod. Um, yeah. So four and a half stars for both of us. It's just so gosh darn fun. The, the cast is ridiculous. It's one. It's one of the most beautiful movies of the year. Yep. It's it. The score is amazing. The bagpipes that just shred your face off. I love that one bagpipe guy that walks out in front of the Duke. He's like, "Yep, <laughs> this is my time." <laughs> yeah. And then also one of my favorite moments is. When the thopters like drop down mm. and then he always hits the 808, it's like, yeah. I'm like oh, oh, oh. turn this into a ride, please. It's, uh, I've, I've gone full MCU over here. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, everything about this movie works sound design, visuals, the storytelling, the, the performances. I mean, the it just general entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. Um, all right. Unsung hero. Unsung hero. Do you have one? Do you? Yeah, I, I think I got one. If only for one moment. And I, I gotta be honest, I don't know how to pronounce any of the names. Okay, so mine is um, uh, the Mentat, the the right. the House of Trades. What what is his name? Thufir. 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 Yeah. <laughs> That's how I read it in the book. <laughs> oh boy, Dooper. Oh, uh, when he blinks? Yeah, when he does that calculation. Hell yeah. Of how- He's like, hold on. <laughs> Zombie eyes. Duke Leo says, how much is this costing him? Oh, I got you. Uh, $10. <laughs> Mr. Human Computer with the dead eyes over there. 
Thanks, Doof. <laughs> yeah, Doofer Hawat, uh, played by Stephen Mc- Stephen Stephen McKinley Henderson, who uh, I love him in Lady Bird. He's the drama teacher in Lady Bird. Oh my god! Yeah, him and Timothy just vibing. I know he's so good in that, but I love I just love that little moment, uh, and he's just got like such a weird look about him. Uh, I love it. That's my unsung hero. I got two. Okay. I'm gonna go with I forget her name, the maid when she's like ah, ah, when she hands the like tooth sword over. The Chris knife. That was Mitchell. a little the oh yeah. I'm the one that read it. Yeah. The Chris knife. and even that. Here's Chris's knife. <laughs> um, like cool idea, the tooth of a of a worm being the blade. But uh yeah, she she definitely had some Larry David. Just what you prophesied. <laughs> oh. Five, and then my second, I'll go with uh, every time Duncan sees Paul, and he's like, "Ah, my boy!" And they like, I run know, over. I ju- <laughs> I just love that. It's like I love you. I love the relationship, and uh, he's like, "Put on muscle." Just kidding. <laughs> uh, Jason Momoa is so just great, like. Ah, I wanted a lot more of him. Okay. All right. Uh, what else have we been watching? Oh, yeah. What else have we been watching? So I I, I won't say any of the horror stuff. Um, okay. But do you, do you have stuff, other stuff? Ooh, yeah. I do. All right. Go for it. First time. I watched House on Haunted Hill. Which Vincent Price. Oh, yeah. How was spook. that? It's good. Yeah. It's not a must, solid three stars, but what I'm really excited about is Shallow Grave. Shallow Grave was fantastic. Who's in this? Uh, Ewan McGregor. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I've seen that picture going around. Yeah. That's how I found out about it, Criterion yeah. Post. Yeah. That, and I was like, this is me and Sarah's style to a T. They said good morning with that, and I'm like, all right, I'll watch this. Which that by, frame alone. By the way, that frame, it's you, Sarah, and the guy on the left has got real me vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh. And uh it's just a it's just a good time, a good romp. Okay. It's uh like th- this you find this out very quickly, so mm-hmm. I'm not spoiling yeah. it, but it's three roommates looking for another roommate and you know, they find one and then he's found dead. And uh oh hijinks and and oh. murder and and distrust <clears throat> ensue all right hijinks all, love it. all all with you and mcgregor being exceedingly charming oh he always is i like that i know but very good movie shallow grave and the original house on haunted hill yeah yes nice. and then the the, the dune yeah the dunes dune. so that's that's what i got uh so yeah so i've got two that i watched this week um one kind of in prep for i guess the french dispatch but i watched the royal tenenbaums for the first time great wes anderson it it is so great and gene hackman is amazing as royal tenenbaum Mm -hmm. it is such a stellar performance i was delighted from i think it's a top three wes yeah oh i think so too um Rushmore, Tenenbaums, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, and I, uh, oh, what's the last one that I kind of flirt with? Grand Budapest? Moonrise Kingdom is, oh, really, Moonrise Moonrise Kingdom. Kingdom is really, no, no, Moonrise is really taking that dip for me. Oh, really? Years. 
I'm just less. I'm more, yeah. more like I don't need to watch that movie. Yeah. Um, Royal keeps on giving. Yeah, it it was one of those movies where in the first ten minutes I'm like, all right, I I could turn this off and I could rate it on Letterbox. Like this is yeah. You're like all right, yep, perfection. There's a reason perfection. And boy, I've, I know we've said this on the podcast a number of times, but Gwyneth Paltrow. I know. She, come back. She should just make movies. Stop messing around with skincare. I know. She's. Uh, I mean, she's hey, so good. do what you want. Yeah, whatever. But also make movies. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched um, this week on Criterion the Spy Who Came in from the Cold, uh, which is a 1965 spy thriller so it's it's black and white right you know just a couple years after james bond started so i think it's probably uh drifting on the james bond stuff uh but it's Mm -hmm. it's based on a john le carre novel um of the same name and that's kind of his most famous maybe that and tinker taylor soldier spy are his two most famous novels um and and it's this title of you know this this spy for the British Secret Service who has been out you know basically in operational field for for years and years and years, and they're gonna bring him in from the Cold War, but he's got to do one last kind of operation, one last assignment. Um, and Richard Richard Burton plays Alec Lemus, the 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 spy at the center of it, and he is so intense and. Like he never blinks in scenes with him, and I mean it, the, his presence is extraordinary. So I, I really like this movie. It's I it, it's it's not for everybody, um, mm. uh, but the last you know fifteen twenty minutes just grabs you, and uh, it, and it's one of those movies where the action goes all the way up until it says the end. You know, <laughs> which I, I right. definitely a, a hallmark of like older movies. Um, and I, I I really like this a lot. This was on Criterion. Spy who came in nice. from the cold. Check it out, y'all. Yeah. All right. Well, depending on when you hear this, I think the next episode is either going to be our our horror movie special, or uh, who knows something else. Maybe French Dispatch. Maybe Last Duel. We don't know. Let's do French Dispatch next because it'll either be this coming week or the week after. Give us plenty right. of time to go see it. So um, depending on how this week goes, our next and some life stuff, honestly, for all three of us. Yes. Um, yes, I do not you, know you, if I'm going to be able to get to a movie theater in the next week or yeah. two. So we'll see. So depending on that and with Jared's schedule, he's on a shoot right now. Um, the horror movie special will be coming out next week or potentially two weeks or potentially two weeks French French dispatch and then the horror movie yeah, special. yeah we got some episodes for y'all yeah we have stuff stuff in the lineup it just might take a little bit longer than usual yes um, in the meantime stay in, up in the meantime we could also watch the harder they fall uh, the Netflix cowboy movie that comes out this weekend that is getting good reviews and is also starring Idris Elba and it could be our second Idris Elba cowboy oh, movie of the year I was just going to say I'm so sick of cowboy movies <laughs> and then you throw him in there and it's like yeah I already watched this I know but this one looks actually good uh, and Regina King is in it 
Concrete Cowboy was good. It just wasn't very good. I know. All right. Well, maybe we'll watch Are They Fall? Even though it's another friggin' Western. <laughs> this looks amazing. Uh, In the meantime, you can catch us on Instagram. Stay up to date. See our favorite shots at Movies While They Sleep. And uh, all we ask this week, send this pod to one friend or family member that uh, likes movies. And, and saw Dune. Everybody saw Dune. And saw yeah, they saw Dune. Send this app. They'll, 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 I'm sure, appreciate getting to jump back into the world of Dune and not be done with it quite yet. That's right. So uh, send it to a friend, and uh, yeah, like I said, follow. Get on Instagram to see some of those favorite shots. Till next week. Good night, y'all. Bye. Ugh, Villeneuve. <laughs>